As we begin our time together, I want to begin our, our message by inviting elementary age children to come here to the front with me so I can talk to you a little bit. So if there's any children here, would you come and join me right here in these steps, please? Hi, come on in. There are more coming, so have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. All right. Great. Come on in, guys. Y'all are looking good. All right. How are y'all today? Good. Today is the first Sunday of November, and it already feels like fall. How many of you like the fall season? All right. What do you like about the fall? Anybody? Cool weather? Yeah, I like that too. Raking the leaves and playing in the leaves. That's very cool. Yeah. Anything else that you like about the fall? I tell you what I like. I like pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah. And pecan pies. I love pecan pie. And I love getting one more hour of sleep today. That was really good. For grown-ups, that's a good thing. I know you got up earlier, just like you usually do. But that was cool. And there's something else I like about the fall, and it is something that we call Reformation Day. That's a long word, but I know you can say it. Can you say Reformation Day? Reformation. Yeah, Reformation Day, we celebrate that on October 31st. It happened a long time ago, actually October 31st of 1517. That's like 502 years ago. And there was a man by the name of Martin Luther. Can you say Martin Luther? Yeah. And he got this big piece of paper and he wrote on it 95 things that he thought everybody should know about. And he put them on this paper and he put them in the front door of the church so that everybody would see it. He did that on October 31st, 1517. And ever since then, we consider that Reformation Day. Now, let me tell you why that's important because Martin Luther thought that it was really important for people to know about the Bible. And he wanted people to know that in the Bible, God tells us that he loves us. He's not, God is not here just to, to get us in trouble. He's here to love us and let us know how we can love him back. And the way we love him back, he said, is by faith. Can you say faith? faith and that's what he wants from us not only that but mr luther thought it was really important for children like you to be educated in the bible and so he did a lot of things to make sure that children were able to learn about god's word and so that's why i like reformation day because it makes the bible important and it reminds us how important children are okay so remembering that martin luther uh, wrote then today I would like to give you a pencil. Would you like a pencil? You can grab a pencil and remember Martin Luther and Reformation Day and then go back and have a seat with your families. All right. You can write 95 things if you want. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, sorry. There we go. All right, well, the Reformation... Uh, was an important thing for, for a lot of reasons, as you may know, but one of the reasons is that it made children 
uh, important. Religious education of children has been a thing that the Reformation has, has uh, been about for 502 years and we're still learning how to do that well. And not only was it important to the reformers, but it was important to the apostle Paul. We're in a series that we're calling Called and Accountable, and we're looking at the letter to the Ephesians. And we're in that portion of the letter where Paul is talking to specific groups in the church. He spoke to husbands and wives, and then now today he's going to speak to children and parents. So if you're a child, if you're children, listen well because the message is for you. If you're parents, listen well because the message is for you. If you're not a parent, if you're not um, a, a child, then you can just uh, tune off and get on your devices and do whatever you want. No, I'm kidding. No, no. You can benefit from it because you can encourage parents as grandparents, as spiritual parents, as mentors, you can be a part of that. But uh, I wanted you to know that that is what the scripture teaches us here. Uh, as, as we look at our passage, which is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, that is our text. And, um, and, and Paul thought taught that... Uh, discipling children was important. So let's look at this text and this message that we're calling today spiritual home life. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. And it reads like this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. These are practical uh, instructions to the family, to children and to parents, and they're given in the context of a Christian home. And, and I think we could summarize this in one sentence by saying Christian homes are the headquarters of disciple-making where children honor their parents and parents train their children. I'll say that again. Ch Christian homes are the headquarters of disciple-making where children honor their parents and parents train their children. So let me offer you three things that I believe uh, spring out of this passage and help us apply this. The first one is that we should approach home life spiritually. The relationship between children and parents in the home is a spiritual relationship. Very much like we said, husbands and wives relate to each other in a spiritual matter. When children obey mom and dad, it's a spiritual thing. It is a sacred thing. We consider coming to church, gathering as a church, a, a spiritual thing. We consider singing praises a spiritual thing. We consider reading the Bible and giving our offering a spiritual thing. Well, relating in the home as parents and children, it's a spiritual thing. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord makes it spiritual. In the Lord says, look, this is not just a human relationship. This is something sacred. This is something that we will be accountable to God for. So when children obey mom and dad, it is a spiritual thing. The instruction to the parents is to bring them up in the training and instruction 
of the Lord. Over and over again in the instruction to husbands and wives, in the instruction to parents and children, it says in the Lord and of the Lord. The parents' primary responsibility is to disciple their children. It is to lead their children to become good followers of Jesus. When children are babies and toddlers, the way that we disciple them is we love them, we care for them, we meet their needs, we pray, we sing to them, we read them scripture, we encourage them, we prepare their little hearts to trust. Because as we teach them to trust us as loving parents, their hearts will be prepared to trust the Heavenly Father. When they grow up a little older, we continue to, to read the scriptures and to have them participate and, and to pray. And what we're doing is we're preparing the soil of their heart so that when the seed of the gospel is planted, it will bear fruit a hundredfold. So they will become disciple makers. And then there comes that time when the child or the teenager is able to respond to the gospel and they say, yes, I want to become a follower of Jesus. And it is the Holy Spirit that has given fruit in the soil of their heart because their heart has been prepared. And when they do that, then we teach them how to follow Jesus well. You see, we are disciple makers from the time they're babies to the time they leave the home. We're disciple makers before they follow Jesus, when they decide to follow Jesus, and after they decide to follow Jesus. Children, when your parents tell you to wash the dishes, to take out the trash, it is honoring God. When your parents say, stop what you're doing, turn off the video game, and do your homework, and you do it, you're honoring God. Every time that you obey your parents, you're doing something spiritual. In fact, when you disobey your parents, when, when you don't do what they say, it's a sin. It's a sin against God, and you must ask forgiveness of your parents and of God because it's a spiritual responsibility. When, when you obey your parents, it is pleasing to God. God is pleased, children, when you sing praises to him, and some of you do so well. God is pleased with you when you pray. God is pleased with you when you put your little offering in the offering plate. And God is really pleased with you when you obey mom and dad, but you do it unto the Lord. And parents, we're reminded today that everything that we do in the home is a spiritual thing. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes changing diapers doesn't feel very spiritual. Or making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich doesn't feel spiritual. But it is helping our children with the homework, putting a Band-Aid on them when, when they get a boo-boo, encouraging them when they've been bullied at school or advocating for them when something has been unjust in their lives. All that we're doing is spiritual because we're teaching children what it means to have a spiritual father, what it means to have a mentor, a protector, a guide, a discipler. And that's why it's important for children to keep in mind that when your parents tell you to do something, when they have rules for you in the home, they are helping you to be good followers of Jesus. And that's why it's important. You may not agree, it, you agree with it. Your parents are not perfect. They're human. But God has placed them there to lead you to him. 
And so we must love them and obey them. Our parents want us to succeed as citizens, as students, as athletes, as followers of Jesus, as young people. They want us to succeed and they're doing their job because God has entrusted it to them. They are a gift to us. Children, you ought to say thank you mom and dad for all that you do for me. That is a spiritual thing. So approach your spiritual life in a spiritual, your home life in a spiritual way. Secondly, apply disciple making scripturally. Disciple making, it's not just Bible study. Some people think they have a Bible study, they said we had discipleship. Well, discipleship is much more than that. It includes conversations, it includes serving together, it includes coaching, it includes accountability. But all of that should be informed by the Bible. All of it should be informed by the scriptures as we do that generally and as we do it at home. So what Paul tells his readers here is he's saying, look, this is how Christian homes relate to one another. This is the difference that ought to be made in your home as opposed to everybody around you that doesn't follow Jesus. But Paul is also informing them that this is not something he made up. He didn't come up with this idea. This is as old as the Old Testament scriptures. And so when he says, honor your father and your mother, all he's doing, when he's saying obey uh, your parents and the Lord, all he's doing is he's referring to one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Deuteronomy 5.16 uh, is, is what he's quoting. He says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honoring mom and dad has been God's design from the very beginning. It's not a new thing. It is how God set it up. To honor means to respect. And it means to act out of that respect. So for children at home, whether, whether you're in elementary or high school, or if you're still in college or came back from college and you're still living at home because you haven't gotten a job, if you live at home, you follow moms and dads rules. That's the way you honor them because it's their home. And, and they've been put there as an authority. Now, when you've left the home and you've become an adult, you continue to honor your parents, and the way you honor them is by respecting them, by caring for them. Honoring your father and your mother may look different when you're at home and when you already have your own family, but it's still an important thing. And Paul says that it is the first commandment with a promise. Actually, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that has a promise. You can look through all the Ten Commandments and they say what God expects of us and what God doesn't want us to be about. But this one, honor your father and your mother, is the only one of the Ten that includes a promise. What's the promise? Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, rephrases it so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You know, when I read that, so that he may go well with you and that you may enjoy life, long life on the earth, I, I can't help it but remember the Vulcan salute. You know, Dr. Spock, live long and prosper, right? And it sounds very creative. It sounds very Vulcan, right? But it wasn't original to Star Trek. It, it, it is exactly what God is saying. You want to live long and prosper, then honor your father and your mother. That's the way God has set it up. Now, if you, if you 
if you learn to honor mom and dad, then, the, then God promises that, that you'll have a prosperous life, that, that you live long. If you don't honor mom and dad, then you're going to have a hard life. Listen, some of you think that if you can just get away from your house, you don't have to do what your parents tell you, right? That if you could just, if your parents could just get out of the way, then you would have all the freedom in the world. Let me tell you, every facet of life, somebody's going to have authority over you. It'll be a teacher or it'll be a policeman or it'll be the boss at work. Someone will always have authority over you. And what God wants you to learn is that if you learn to honor and respect your parents at home, then you'll be able to function in life because you'll be able to honor and respect others. And it'll help you live a life that is fulfilling and that is prosperous. I've met many young adults who didn't respect their parents growing up and they've had a difficult life. I've met young adults who didn't honor their parents and now their lives have been wasted. In fact, their lives have been cut short because they, they didn't get a good start by honoring their parents. On the other hand, the responsibility of parents to disciple their children also goes back to the law of Moses. If you, if you go with me once again to Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine, this is what Moses tells Israel, and, and in a sense, parents. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What, what Moses is telling the parents is saying, look, you need to love God with everything you've got and then you need to teach your children to do the same. That's not just rote memorization of Bible facts. Don't just teach your children trivia so they can win a Bible trivia game. But teach your children to love God with all their heart. And the best way to do that is in the home. You, you spend morning and evening together. You spend weeks and days together. And, and the way you live, the way you talk, the way you model is teaching your children how to love God and how to love his word. If you want children to grow up to serve God, teach them the Bible at home. If you want children to be strong followers of Jesus, then disciple them at home. Teach them how to love God. The church, we're here to encourage you. We're here to cheer you on. We're here to support you in the task of discipling your children, but we can't do it for you. We only get one or two hours a week with your children. You get 24 seven. And we're here to walk alongside with you. You know, I, know, I don't know what you think about Kanye West and his new album. It's been kind of controversial for some and, and I, I don't know him a lot, but this song closed on Sunday has been really popular this week and you're my Chick-fil-A and my lemonade and all that stuff that's kind of cheesy, right? Um, but I find the heart of the lyrics in that song really relevant. He says, get your family, y'all hold hands and pray. When you got daughters, always keep them safe. 
raise our sons, train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We're nobody's slave. Stand up for my home, even if I take this walk alone. I bow down to the king upon the throne. My life is his. I'm no longer my own. I had planned to wrap it for you, but um, I didn't get anybody to give me a good beat. So uh, whatever you might think about Kanye West, the words, the lyrics to this song are right in line with what Paul is saying right here. As parents, we get to disciple our children and we do it scripturally. We do it informed by God's word. And then third and finally, we're encouraged to assume our family role selflessly. Whether you're the child or the parent, the way that you relate in the home requires love and wisdom. And when you love somebody, you grow to be selfless. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That means don't think about what you want to do immediately. Don't think about getting your way, but think about what your parents are asking you to do. You have to lay the self aside for a little bit. Now at the end of it, if you honor father and mother, if you obey them, it's good for you. But at first it might feel like it's not what you want to do. It's not what you feel like doing. And so you have to be selfless and love your parents by obeying them. The admonishing to not exasperate your children for parents means not to make them angry or frustrate them. Don't be a parent that abuses or misuses your authority. I love the way that Eugene Peterson states it, uh, Ephesians 6.2, he says, Father, don't exas fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I love that. So when you exercise your authority as parents, think about their feelings. Think about uh, the way they think. Think about who they are. Don't just bark out instructions at them because you're frustrated. But selflessly lead them. Ultimately, your instruction, your discipline for your children is not so that you can be comfortable or so that you can have a better image. Ultimately, the reason you're giving them instruction is for their own good, is so that they'll grow up and become great citizens and great scholars and great athletes and awesome followers of Jesus. As you do that, do it with selfless love. One of the things that I've noticed in our culture today is that we've grown to be a very age-graded or age-appropriate culture. You know, the, there was generations before us where, where children, we didn't even think about children. Uh, everything was done from an adult perspective. And then we started thinking about developmental needs of children, and we started thinking about doing age-appropriate things. And that's the way Sunday school became, and, and a lot of things that we did became age-appropriate. And I think, uh, in many ways, that's been a good thing. But I think the pendulum has really swung in an opposite direction from those generations. And so now we become, parents are so obsessed with finding something age-appropriate for their children, they put them in extracurricular activities, 
activities. They get devices and games that entertain them that are age appropriate. And they're always focused on what the children need to do that's age appropriate. And it is a good thing in many ways, but in other ways it concerns me because children are never able to do something that is not meeting their needs immediately. They're not learning to be selfless and to think about being in environments where it's not just meeting their immediate needs, but where there are other needs being met. And adults are the same. Adults are so busy and so tired of raising their children that they just want to create me spaces, right? And, and we're, we want to customize everything, whether we're in yoga or Zumba or soul cycling or whatever it is that we're doing. We want our space. We want our me time. And I get it. Parenting is hard. It is long hours. 24-7, you're on the job. There's no time clock to punch in and punch out. And so sometimes you just want to get away. And that's okay. The only problem I see that with, with separating those things is that sometimes we make this distinction between the children's needs and our needs, and there's this competition about whose needs are being met when. And I think that a family is more than the sum of individuals. A family is a unit, and it shouldn't be their needs and my needs, it should be our needs. There are some things that the family ought to be able to do together that is not adult or children needs, but it is family needs. It is praying together. It is serving the community together. It is being in Bible study together. It, it, it is learning together, doing projects together, doing exercise together, those kinds of things. Families can do together what school and church and devices cannot accomplish. Families can grow in love and selflessness by becoming families on mission. Now, when you hear the word mission, immediately some of you think about international missions, and, and that's one part of it. But mission, mission simply means God's purpose, accomplishing God's purpose. So families on mission are families that are accomplishing God's purpose of redeeming the nations to himself through the family, beginning with our children. Now, in my, in my own life, this idea of family and mission has looked differently at different stages of my life. I grew up in a minister's home, and, and it seemed like when I was growing up, my parents always had to choose between our family and ministry, and often ministry took priority at the expense of family. Mike and Sally Breen called that family or mission, having to choose one or the other. Then when I went to seminary, then we grew up in a generation of children and preacher's kids that had been neglected by our parents because they were so involved in ministry that they were teaching us, look, what you really need to do is to protect your family from ministry. So you need to make sure that, that you have your ministry and, and you define your ministry and then you have your family and you protect your family. And, and, you, and somehow you have to juggle those two things. And at the beginning of my ministry, that's what I try to do. How to make sure that I spend enough time here and enough time here and protect the two from each other. The Breeze called that family and mission. But then several years ago, I discovered something and I didn't realize it until later, but I discovered that my wife and my children had made natural connections with other followers of Jesus that would come over to our house and we would like to, do, to hang out together and we like uh, serving God together. We even went on mission trips together and we became an extended family on mission. 
And, and that's really, I think, a great thing. One of the things that I think we miss out of, especially our family as we moved away from grandparents and uncles and aunts and cousins, we miss out on this idea of the extended family. And, and somehow the U.S. family really struggles with being a nuclear family, but for many centuries and in many other parts of the world, family is more than mom and dad and kids. Family includes grandparents and uncles and aunts and, and cousins. And, and that's why we get this African proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child. So what a great thing it is for us to be able to lead our children and our spouses to discover people who can be our extended family, whether they're biological or spiritual, that, that can be people who we do life with and we become a family on mission. We get this idea of raising our children to be disciple makers, not just so that they can benefit, but so that God can use them to make a difference. And so that children can grow up in an environment with, where they have older people and younger people, where they have parents and peers that encourage them and they can become great citizens. They can become better students. They can become successful athletes. They can become passionate followers of Jesus. If we learn how to do this thing of being extended families, being families on mission, I think that we can change the world. I think that we will accomplish the purpose of God in our lives. So let's take our role in the family selflessly. Let's not make it about me or about them. Let's make it about us. Let's make it about Jesus. Let, let's serve one another well. You know, recently a movie came out by the name of Overcomer. And it's a story of a young girl by the name of, of Hannah Scott who has issues, has family issues, has personal issues, but she wants to run, run cross country in her school. And in the process of wanting to run, run cross country, she, uh, she has a coach that takes interest in her and the coach's wife and her grandma who cares for her. And there's a principal who's Christian and invests in her. And, and in the whole story of her being trained to run in a cross country race, there are these people who are investing in her life. And I don't want to spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it yet. But when she finishes a race, there's this sense that she finished that race well because she had an extended family of dad and grandma and coach and principal who poured into her life, who encouraged her so that she would be successful. And that's exactly what God is inviting us to be about as families, as parents and as an extended family on mission is to pour into the lives of children and teenagers so they can run the race well and they can finish well and that at the end of it all, God would be glorified. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you for your word and for the invitation 
to be children and parents who make disciples for the glory of God among the nations. Father, teach us how to do that well. Teach us how to be extended families, families on mission. As you think about how God has spoken to you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word. We're going to have a time of prayer, and, and the prayer altar is open. There's going to be instrumental music playing, and during the music, feel free to come to the front and kneel. You pray for your family, pray for your children, pray for your parents, pray for your grandchildren. Maybe there's a commitment you need to make of how to be a child or a parent in the home according to the scriptures. Maybe you need to follow Jesus. Maybe you need to follow him in believer's baptism. Whatever you need to do, this is the time for you to respond. I'm gonna give you time for prayer. There'll be pastors and deacons that are available up here. If you wanna pray with somebody, if you have a need, family, financial, health-wise, we want you to come. And I also invite you to use this time to prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper. We will celebrate communion in a moment, and this is a good time for you to meditate, to confess sins, and to be prepared to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let's spend some time in prayer. <laughs> 